Good morning, ladies. This morning, I'm going to be teaching from Psalm 95. And when I was asked to teach many weeks ago, I chose this psalm because it had a beautiful and simple structure, had two parts. It seemed like the perfect psalm to delve into, learn, and then teach. I was set. Well, it wasn't that easy. But the Lord knew, more than anything, I needed to be taught truths from this psalm. My worship had lost some of its joy. I needed Psalm 95. I needed it to reorient me back onto the only thing that matters, God. So I am thankful, and I trust as you look into Psalm 95 with me, you will be blessed and encouraged by it as well. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning humble. We are seeking you this morning. We so long to know you more. Be with us, Lord. Teach us. As we look at the worship you are worthy of and deserve. Draw us into a closer relationship with you through this worship, allowing our hearts to find rest in you. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 95 is in the fourth book of Psalms. These are the enthronement songs, psalms. They exalt God as ruler and sovereign over his people. They exclaim, our God reigns. Here in the heart of book four lies Psalm 95. In a small cluster of psalms that celebrate this kingship, this cluster shouts joyful praise that fill the whole earth. Listen to some of them. Psalm 93 The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Psalm 97. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Psalm 98. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Psalm 99. The Lord reigns. And Psalm 100 is full. Every verse of just praising and glorifying God. Psalm 95 in my Bible is titled, Let Us Sing Songs of Praise. So the first half of Psalm 95 will call us to worship with these songs of praise and explain why we should. The second half of Psalm 95 reveals to us the hardened heart that cannot worship because it has gone astray. So let's open it up and read it together. Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are also his. The sea is his for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day of Massah in the wilderness, When your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. 
For 40 years, I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. You can feel the vibrant worship happening in verses 1 to 7. We are called into it. Over and over, we are invited to come, come and worship. And then in the middle of the psalm, the warning radically shifts mood. The worshipers are warned. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Weren't we just looking at hearts full of love and praise, worshiping in verses 1 to 7? Okay, so this is strategically put here. There's something we need to learn. So let's go back and let's look through the first seven verses. Verse 1 and 2 call us to come. We are being invited to worship, to worship God. Let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise with songs of praise. We are being invited into worship. We are encouraged to be joyful, noisy, giddy with praise. We are acknowledging that God, who is present everywhere, is especially present when his people gather to worship him. This exuberance is worship fit for a king. Verse 1 and 2 also show us who we are worshiping. Oh, come, let us sing to Yahweh. Yahweh is the covenant name of God revealed to Moses and the people of Israel. Later in the verses, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. So literally, they are worshiping the God who saved their forefathers in the desert from thirst when he, was, he instructed Moses to strike the rock and water flowed out of it. So he literally saved them through the rock, the rock of our salvation. So the object of our worship is Yahweh. Psalm 99.8 says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. As we read verses 3 and 5, we are told why we worship Yahweh. For Yahweh is a great God and a great king above all gods. He created everything. And verse 4 tells us all creation is in his hand. That's an incredible thought. We worship him because of his greatness. We worship him because he holds us in his hand. That God upholds us, sustains us, protects us. Again, in verse 6, we are invited to come and worship. I love the beauty of the building again and again. Again, it says, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before Yahweh, our maker. This doubling of it from verses 1 and 2 down to verse 6 shows us that this is, this is a priority for us. This is something that we should be doing always. It should naturally flow from our hearts. It should make us giddy. It should give us joyful praise. But notice here now the worshiper takes a different posture before the Lord. When we enter into his presence in worship, we are acknowledging his greatness, power, and authority by bowing down and kneeling before him. We are showing allegiance, adoration, submission. We are showing that he is worthy of all our praise. 
And again, in verse 7, we're told why we worship Yahweh. For he is our God. So I love when we look back and we see our maker, and then we read here, our God. We have a personal relationship with him. He is ours and we are his. And this is repeated again when it says, we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. What a beautiful relationship with our maker. He knows us that intimately. He keeps us close and he cares for our every need. And we, in a contented, we are in a contented state. True worshipers know the contentment of sheep as sheep of his pasture. So we are worshiping Yahweh for his greatness and his goodness towards us. Worship flows out of a heart that believes this, trusts this, that joyfully and wholeheartedly sings it. We see that a true worshiper, like the sheep in his pasture, find rest in God's hand. The abrupt change in verses 7b, the warning wakes us up to the reality of a potential hardening of our heart towards this great king that we just so praised. When hearts are hardened, the hearts reveal rebellion towards this Lord. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day of Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. The psalmist gives us, gives us an example of the Israelites' forefathers who hardened their hearts towards God. Israel was delivered out of Egypt. They were a redeemed people. They saw and experienced the ways of God, yet their behavior of quarreling and testing revealed sin in their hearts. Masa, meaning testing, and Meribah, meaning quarreling, were the very names given to the place where their heart, hearts were revealed. Verse 10 even elaborates on that. They are people who go astray in their hearts. So he's really illuminating the heart. Hardened hearts follow their own desires. They go astray in unbelief and rebellion. Hardened hearts have no rest in Yahweh. How opposite this is, this heart revealed here in the second half from the heart full of joyful worship entering into the presence of God in the first seven verses. And God, in his masterful way of making all scripture, telling us and confirming to us over and over that all scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit, is his word. Psalm 95 is used in Hebrews. The book of Hebrews exhorts the weary hearts of believers to hold fast to their faith. Three times in Hebrews, the author exhorts the Hebrew believers by using Psalm 95, verse 7b. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. The author points again to the quarreling, rebellious Israel as an example of hearts full of unbelief. That unbelief kept them from entering. Whereas the author of Hebrews shows us the believing heart in Hebrews 4.3, for we have believed, for we who have believed 
enter the rest. The believers in Hebrews were a redeemed people. They knew the teachings and words of Jesus and believed. They knew his voice. They saw and were experiencing the ways of God, yet they had become weary after so many trials. They were persecuted. Hebrews 10, 32, 33 says, they endured hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes, heavy, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. They had their goods plundered. How beautifully then does the author of Hebrews point his readers continually to Jesus Christ, exalting him for who he is. If you open the book of Hebrews and you read all the titles of all the little chapters and sections, Christ, Jesus Christ is exalted for who he is. Hebrews 12.2 says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Looking to Jesus, reminding them constantly of Jesus, their redeemer. Encouraging them to keep their faith in him and trust him. Ladies, the reality of faith is that it's not always easy. We can become weary. We can be mocked for our faith, sometimes by people that we love, sometimes people in our family. We lose friends when we speak of our convictions and beliefs. We are misrepresented and laughed at. We see that in the social culture around us. We experience conflict. And we feel a crushing weight of those things. Sin also has a way of making and wreaking havoc in our lives. Our own sin, we can murmur and complain. I can grumble and argue. Our pride can hurt others as we exalt ourselves. Sin, the voice, tells us that we should be exalted. We're important. We're smart. And we have a way of being masters at minimizing our own sin. The author of Hebrews 3.13 tells the weary believers to exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The author of Hebrews is giving us the remedy, the answer. Um, if you look at Hebrews 3.13, we can see sin is deceitful. That's a clear truth. In that same verse, it says that many, that you're called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So it is clear that your heart can become hardened by sin. But then it says, hearing truth and speaking truth, when we are to exhort one another, renews our hearts, keeping it focused on God, his love for us, Jesus Christ is our Redeemer, and all the ways he is exalted in Hebrews, all is to be in the forefront of our thoughts and in our heart. But Hebrews 3.13 says to exhort one another every day. So not only is sin deceitful, our hearts can become hardened by sin. Hearing truth and speaking truth renews our heart, and this must be done daily. Is this not the same beautiful truth and invitation described in Psalm 95, verses 1 to 7? 
Are we not encouraged to know God, to exalt his name, to worship him, to desire to come into his presence in worship, to see and acknowledge and praise him for his mighty works, to find comfort and peace in his hand, acknowledge that he is our maker, our creator. We know his voice and we find rest in his pasture. Verse 1 of Psalm 95 acknowledges God as the rock of our salvation. And today we know that rock of salvation as Jesus. Jesus is our rock of salvation, a sure and eternal refuge, the foundation on which rests the hope of heaven. By his blood, he redeemed us. We all know the verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. How great and loving is our God. How much he has provided for us, given to us. Things that we don't deserve, that is a free gift. Verse 6 acknowledges the Lord as our maker. As Utah preached last week, that all cre- of all creation, man is the pinnacle. Let us make man in the image of us, was the quote he used from Genesis. We are created in God's image so that we might know him, love him, follow him, but most importantly, we were made to worship him. And Psalm 95 verses 1 to 7b shows us that exuberant praise of a beautiful heart. And I hope that it has encouraged you that we can all say together at the end of this, let us sing songs of praise. Let us get our eyes off of what is horizontal, what is weighing us down, and let us be marked by a life of this kind of worship so that people can see how much we love our God, our maker, our creator, our redeemer, that we have rest in him, there is hope in him, and there is hope for everyone in him. And if they see us worship him so beautifully, so exuberantly, will they not want to know this God that we are praising? Will they not want to know this God that we so believe in and trust in? I think so. That would be my prayer. So... Let's just end in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, you and you alone are worthy of our praise. We thank you that you have created us in our many weaknesses and and little quirkiness, but you are our God. And we praise you. We thank you that you can use us. You can use our voice. We hear your voice. You hear our voice in beautiful, exuberant praise. I thank you for the collective voices in this room this morning that in exuberance and joyfulness praise your name for the way you answer prayer. And yet we come humbly and make our requests knowing that you hear and you answer them. And we trust in the answers that you give us. So thank you, Lord, for the way that you are so highly exalted in this psalm. Thank you that we can cast our eyes upon you. We know where our help comes from. It comes from you. Lord, may it be the posture of our heart all day, every day, to praise you, but to also exhort one another 
to see the weary, to come alongside them, to focus them back on you. So Lord, that's the prayer of my heart. I pray that's the prayer of everyone's heart this morning. And be with us as we close. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And ladies, just a reminder that next week we will be doing Psalm 63.